piece of me? Do I feel like Well, do you, punk? Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of red pump in the morning. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I feel the need. The need for speed. I wish I knew how to quit you. Love means never having to say you're sorry. You do! You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Happy Monday, moviegoers. Welcome to a brand new episode of Welcome to the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. I am your host, Juan, and I am joined by the cast, the crew, the guys. Ed? Hey, what's up, folks? Zach? Hey, what's going on, guys? Craig? What's poppin'? And today, guys, we are here with a brand new episode. Um, we're going to talk about The Whale, uh, latest Oscar contender from A24 um, from 2022. Speaking of 2022, if you guys did not listen to last week's episode, go back and check out last week's episode. Um, it was our highly anticipated best of 2022, top five plus five 2022. Um, go back and listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts at facebook.com forward slash the cinnamon movie podcast the instagram is all one word cinnamon movie podcast twitter at cinnamon 405 or the email which i'm going to read some emails a little bit later on today uh c-i-n-e-m-e-n-9-2-1 at gmail.com um you guys can find the links in all of those social medias on last week's episode um, it was big. It was fun. Guys, we uh, were able to develop and throw out all of our favorites and not so much favorites movies of 2022. Um, so go back and check that episode out wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, but how's everybody doing? Ed, you doing okay? Not too bad, man. Not too bad at all. Can't complain. Uh, yourself? I'm I'm doing fantastic. Uh Good. another 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 movie Monday, another review. Craig, what about you? Do you have a do you, do you guys have a good Easter? I didn't even bring the fact that fact up. Easter's Easter. Uh, yeah, I mean I went and saw Mario on Friday. And then uh I got to go to the the last regular season fi- finale of the Thunder. So, Oof, I thought I thought you were about to say the Last Supper. I was like, "Whoa, who, who, who's leaving us?" Uh, I mean, the Thunder are—they're the, the ten seed, so they're in the play-in. But uh, you know, hopefully, they make it to a playoff series and get to see them one more time at the the Paycom Center. Paycom, there you go, Zach. What about you? How was the How was the Easter Sunday for you, or Passover, or whatever you celebrate? It was good. Uh, pretty much just hanged out <clears throat> most of the day. Actually went and saw uh, Air, the new Ben Affleck movie, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but other than that, it's pretty much a really laid-back Easter. What about you guys? Did they play the song How to Breathe or Live with No Air? Isn't that the Jordan Sparks song? <laughs> you would think they would, but they didn't. <clears throat> yeah. Who directed that? Was that a Ben Affleck film? Yeah, Ben Affleck movie. I heard that was a really, really good movie so far. That's a uh, very, very good film. Very good film. I, I really didn't the, know. Uh, Go ahead, Ed. Did they play the R. Kelly hit, I Believe I Can Fly? No, they didn't. No. No, there was no R. Kelly in the movie either. Um, I really didn't know a lot about the the Nike deal and how Jordan got into that, but um, very eye-opening, very good. Uh, obviously, a lot of talent involved. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Viola Davis, Chris Tucker, Jason Bateman. Uh, highly, highly recommended. 
on the other side of the spectrum, so you didn't you didn't have to mention the last two names. You said talent, you know. You didn't have to mention those last two names. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, Craig, you went and saw Super Mario Brothers. How was that? <clears throat> uh, Rotten Tomatoes giving it a forty-eight percent or something like that. Is you know what we say here, though? You know what we yeah. say. Double birds. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're giving it like a forty-eight. Audiences are giving it. 90 something percent. I thought it was, uh, there were a few things that I would have changed here and there, but it's Nintendo's first crack, you know, partnering with Illumination, putting something out. So, you know, like, obviously, the movie is doing something right if it's the highest grossing animated film of all time. That's beating Be Frozen 2, Disney, Mm -hmm. anything that's beating anything out there. So any animated movie you can think of, Toy Story, Toy Story, <laughs> Disney, uh, Frozen, Moana, beat all of them. So yeah, anime pretty, movies, even like all that. Pretty massive. I, I expect uh, Nintendo to partner with Lumination and roll out more. Yeah, that's that's a pretty massive that's opening. Cool. I think it even beat out uh, John Wick Chapter Four, knocked it out of its first place seat. So. I mean, yep. every movie theater that I was looking at, because I was like, okay, I'll go. F- I had tickets for Friday, and I was like, well, if it's coming out Wednesday and Thursday, I'll see if I can find a, a seat there. By the time they came around, like that day of, it was sold out, and you couldn't. Oh, yeah. There were people coming into AMC trying to get seats for the showtime before and after mine, and they were turning them away because it was sold out. Hmm. Wow. Speaking of seats, guys, I don't know. One of us go to this this theater, this AMC, or Craig. You're, are you AMC or are you Regal? I'm AMC. Uh, I, we don't do movie news on this podcast anymore for for rightful reasons. But I did read this the other day, and I wanted to bring it to you guys' attention since we all do go to the movie theater. What did you guys think of AMC putting stadium prices like the way you can buy a you know you, the the better seat is going to be more expensive than say. A seat way close up front of the screen. I think it's laughable. Yeah, it won't last. It won't heard, last. I heard that they're going to start that this summer. It's laughable. If if somebody is getting on, say Guardians is a perfect example. Guardians tickets drop at eight o'clock. If I'm on at eight o'clock, I shouldn't have to pay more for the center seat if I'm the first one getting there. And I mean, they're wrong. Like, how much of a difference is it going? And that, that I think will be the big, big, big thing that kills it. If it's like a dollar to maybe even five dollars, I think some people will be like, you know what, fine. But if it goes from like your front seat being, I don't know, twelve dollars to your farthest back seat or your best known seats being like thirty-five, forty dollars, then no, that's going to die very quickly. But if, if it's like I don't know, fifteen dollars for your worst seat. And 22 for your best, uh, it might survive a little bit, but it's, it's not going to do that long. Well, and to me, it's just like I'm not I'm not a middle row person person, so it I mean I don't really care. So it's just I it, this is just another attempt for these companies to take back control of the movie theaters like situation. And it's just like, no, it's just like, if you raise these prices, more people are going to just wait for it to go. I mean, I'm sure Super Mario is what? This is Universal Illumination. I'm sure it'll be on Peacock within the next, like, two months. If you yeah. just wait two months, it'll be on there. So, 
No, and, and you know, they these theaters <clears throat> have to be careful. Like yep. inflation's going up. Who knows? The the US dollar's crashing. Who knows where things are going? You continue to put these prices further and further up, which they're already about seven, eight dollars more expensive than they were back in twenty eleven. Yeah. Alongside with um, you know, concession prices. You're you're instead of making money, you're going to drive more people away, essentially losing money. Because I mean, it might take yeah. a while, but you got to look at like cable versus streaming and all that. Streaming is not going to be a heck of a lot less, but it is still probably less depending on what you have. Yeah. So I mean, people will start going to cheaper theaters and all that just for their entertainment purposes. Yeah. But I mean, we've we've installed. What I think there's two new theaters here: the the uh, brew house and mm-hmm. another one called Flicks or something like that. Yeah, I mean they're yeah. they're offering unlimited popcorn for eight bucks. <clears throat> they're offering unlimited drinks for six bucks or something like that. That's beating AMC's nineteen something dollars for a popcorn and a drink, and it's beating Regal's seventeen fifty for a drink. You know what I mean? And so that's even they, at. And, and they're offering full bar. Uh, it looks like their food is better. From what I've heard, it is better. So they got to mm. be careful. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, I don't know if y'all been told that. You know, that's, I always that's, was that's, told. That's, that's kind of the thing that just irritates me right there for a second. I mean, some of these some of these theaters are like, like Craig said, I think they have to be careful. But, like, you know, you're turning in a two-hour event. To then turning our like turning into like a three four hour event with all the popcorn buckets and you know twenty bucks Craig you said for just a drink and a popcorn you know these and then these other theaters are offering better food more restaurant quality food yeah and if if it's a lot cheaper then like man you know that's but again well, who wants to go spend six hours with a dinner and a movie at the actual theater I don't know I'm kind of that's I'm the problem though up, I'm kind of tossed in between. But that's the problem, though. Super Mario Brothers is an hour and 30-minute movie. Depending on where you go, you're going to get, like, freaking 40 minutes of previews, and that bumps it up to almost a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour event. So I'm just like, why? that right there. <clears throat> that right there kicks it. Another part, you know, whether it's going to be an in-game or a Titanic, or if it's going to be, you know, a kid's movie. Are the stadium prices going to still be, you know, all that fluctuating? Yeah. Like, that's another part. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, some of these parents aren't going to want to pay. You know, that have two, three, four kids aren't going to want to pay. You know, twenty bucks a kid, and then I, what? I'm thirty bucks because I'm an adult. Just that, okay? What you know? Because I thought it was the tickets supplied the movie, and the uh, concession supplied the uh, theater. Is what I always thought. It, it's just a, it's just another wannabe move on these on this on this corporation's attempt to try to take back the movie movie going experience and it's just like it i I mean i agree with you craig if they're not careful these little um i'm just gonna call mom and pop theaters like flicks brew house and like they're not they're not main company theaters they're gonna last instead of these uh big companies okay but those big companies can take that hit harder no, not not necessarily. AMC's already struggling. Uh, so is Regal. Yeah, these theaters, they're and you know, it's their 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 thought process is well if we're struggling to make money, let's just raise the ticket prices. Like you, you guys no, know, but 
I mean, you guys know who's not struggling here in the city? And I don't know why they're not. I mean, they're busy on weekend nights, but other than that, like, like Harkins Theater here in the in the metro locally, you can go see their movies for seven bucks before six yeah. p.m. And their their popcorn their popcorn and a drink is still like less Reasonable. than twenty bucks. Yeah, it's like fifteen bucks yeah. for a loyalty yeah. cup and a and a popcorn, and like seven dollars for for a movie ticket. And then if you want to if you want to go see it at the Cinema Capri, which is like their their IMAX, it's not as big, it's not as fancy, but that's only twelve bucks. It's only a dollar. It's only a dollar more add on yeah. to the original price. But Harkins Harkins doesn't have like the loyalty club where you see like three movies a week or nothing like that, do they? No, they, don't have they, they don't. They don't have anything like that. But they have like a loyalty thing where you can pay twenty four bucks and get uh, a free medium popcorn every time you go. Um, mm-hmm. They have the loyalty cup, which is seven dollars, and then it's only a dollar fifty for a refill. So, I mean, yeah. every time I go, even if I forget my my popcorn shirt or if I forget my cup, I still spend less than thirty bucks there, and that's with two the two or three tickets <clears throat> and popcorn and a drink. And they've been doing that since the beginning. Like I remember having the Harkin shirt, and you get like a free medium popcorn or whatever, and it's just like, you know, those. I mean. It sa- I mean, it wasn't saved a lot of money, but it definitely saved on concessions. And it's just like, yep. you know. And it's only, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that theater gets gets kind of a knock here locally when you talk about the top three or top four. It's always like the bottom tier. But like for my buck, it's always clean. The, the screen, the sound is good. And then the price is like top tier. I, I mean, I, I think can, it could be surrounding I can go areas. see. I I can, I can go see a movie for two people less than fifteen bucks. And they also have, depending on the time of the year, they also have like early showings, like nine, ten o'clock in the morning. So if you want to get it over with, you can. And then uh, compared to like you know their main stay is out in Arizona, and like they do stuff corporate wise like throughout the whole summer, like outside movie deals. Of course, it's over there, but it, it makes company for the money, you know. It's where like AMC struggling, Regal struggling sometimes. So I don't know. I, I do think it's going to be interesting this year to see what the movies do without maybe some of the big top tier box office attractions that they've had in the past. And then with some of the Marvel movies, and then maybe with some of the Marvel movies kind of tearing down, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I... that's another thing. You know, um, we have uh, Tinseltown, which is a part of Cinemark. And I think that's one of the only few Cinemarks that we have in the city. I think it is the only one. The other one's in Tulsa. Um, yeah. But I know it's gimmicky, but it's an attraction. They aren't partnered with anybody to bring exclusive popcorn buckets, exclusive cups, exclusive merch. Like, one of the big things about AMC for me is I know every time I go to a big movie, I'm going to be able to get some type of bucket, which I have a closet full of them. I'm going to be able to get some type of bucket. Sometimes there's a coin or a, a collectible movie ticket. And for somebody who obviously collects a lot of shit, uh, it, it appeals to me. You know, and, and Harkins just doesn't have that extra. Like, yes, the ticket prices are are good. But if I'm paying the 20, 20 bucks for A-list and I'm able to go see my movie for free and maybe pay one more ticket for Mallory, 
and I'm able to go in there and get all this collectible stuff, and I can be like, man, I remember I went and saw this movie, and I got this popcorn bucket, and it was just it was right. But you're time. you're you're one of the few fans who still enjoy getting the physical collector's edition stuff. Yeah, true. who's probably keeping these AMC people alive. So you're okay yeah. with spending sixty, seventy-five bucks at the movie theater? No, I spend like thirty <laughs> bucks. That's that's about it. I'm talking about like maybe a month. Say if Black, say say if Black Panther and Top Gun came out in the same month, you would oh, go yeah. spend yeah about sixty, seventy bucks a month. Yeah. Right. So you're okay with that, but like I'm saying, for the average everyday moviegoer who just wants to see once, once or twice, maybe three times a month, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a nice little interesting topic and. Uh, yeah. We'll get on to the next subject, but I think uh, there's definitely more to be discussed here uh, pretty soon. Um, but let's get into today's movie. Today we are talking The Whale. Um, we are talking uh, A24's latest award-winning episode or movie Um a reclusive, morbidly obese English teacher attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter. Um, directed by Darren Ornowski, written by Samuel Hunter, starring Brendan Fraser, Sadie Sink, Ty Simpkins, Hong Chow, Samantha Morton. Uh, it won two Oscars, and it, I believe it was, uh, I think it was nominated for three, right, Zach? Yeah, best actor, best supporting actress, and best uh, makeup hairstyling. Um, he agrees. He does. So let's let's kind of get into it. Uh, Zach, we'll start with you first. This was your uh, you see seen it in the theaters, obviously. Um, yeah. What did you think of it the first time you watched it compared to the uh, recent watch for the episode? Um, you know, going into it, I really, obviously uh, the main attraction was Brendan Fraser and just kind of seeing what his performance was getting all this acclaim and recognition and everything. And so I'm just like, you know, there's that aspect of it walking out, man. I, I emotional terrorism on the highest level. I, it's not a film <laughs> that definitely, it's not really, it's nowhere near a feel good movie. It's not a movie that you may never ever want to watch again and that's typical a24 fashion it definitely fits that persona um but i respect this movie a lot for what it was trying to do or what it did and what it accomplished and i know it, it it's definitely going to be a turnoff for a lot of people we'll, we'll talk about that um but to me i i just thought the movie hit all cylinders and i thought it was really worthy of all the acclaim and recognition it was going to get whether it be oscars or whatever it is um what about you, Craig? I remember, I think we talked a little bit about it last week and you, what this was not at all what you thought this movie was going to be. And what was your uh, first initial th thoughts on it? Um, yeah, without saying too much, I just, from what I had heard, Brendan Fraser and everybody else who talked about the movie kind of talk about it. I thought it was going to be a little bit different. Um, it, it was definitely a 24 vibes. Um, it just, I think my initial thought of what the movie was going to turn out to be and what it actually ended up being, I think maybe threw me for a loop. So I didn't really 
like I, I, I finished it and I was like, okay, like, okay. I, that's, that's pretty much it. I was just like, okay. Yeah. But I agree with you. I get what they were trying to do. I understand and I appreciate that. Um, which I'll talk about that more in depth when we get to that point. But uh, I, I do have some positives about this movie. Ed? Um, didn't really know what I was expecting. Walked in blindly. Um, Brendan Fraser, Sadie Sink, I knew they were in here. Other than that, that's all I really knew. Um, I didn't know much about the story except for it was a very big guy. So I didn't know if it was going to be like a horror film, a feel-good movie, uh, like it was kind of movie, a, a kind of tragic story, I guess. Uh, didn't know much, so I, I wanted that because I was wanting to appreciate the uh, story overall as well as the characters' interactions and stories. So, how about you, Warren? My my first uh, initial thought was I kind of uh, knew where this was this film was going, but uh, the second time viewing it today, I kind of felt more like. Who's to blame in this situation? Like the way the director made it seem, the, the way the director made it seem was like the daughter was more of the person who should be ashamed here. But after watching it today, and I don't know, I, this might open up a whole brand new bag of uh, tricks and ponies, but I really kind of felt some negativity towards Brendan Fraser's character. Um, I was, you know, after watching it and really dissecting the film today, I was brought to the realization of like, I feel like he's kind of a piece of shit. And that's what I'm going to leave this, this, this stand here today. And uh, we can kind of get into it. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Am I being too harsh? Uh, no, I'm I'm on the same page as you. Um, I'm about I'm, I'm about to a point there, not 100, percent but like 65. So I I don't I don't I don't blame somebody for feeling some type of way if their marriage isn't working. I don't blame them for seeking out somebody to actually go out and have a life to live. <clears throat> but in the process of leaving your child, uh, which Sadie Sink really hits the nail on the head. She was like, essentially, you left me for him. Uh, and at that point, like, she puts it all on the table. You're a piece of shit for leaving me to chase your love life when you had a family. Like, you can still make it work. You don't just have to drop me off and leave me for dead just because you found somebody else that wasn't mob. And I, I that's why I agree with you. Or, you know, kind of not not going through the exact same thing, but also going through, like, something to where, you know, yeah, you know, the kids are the most important thing, and am I going to take care of this person's mental, you know, stable of not being in a, in a relationship anymore that's toxic? Uh, yeah, he did just drop off the child and completely forget about him. And, you know, even in the movie, he's like, I fell in love. Uh, yeah, you can do that. But you still have to put your kid or kids at priority. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there thinking and, and watching the the film, 
nothing against from Darren Arnowski, or I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Zach, help me for God's sake. Um, Darren, Ar- Darren Aronofsky, yeah. He's done, some, he's done some amazing movies. I like a lot of his movies. I like this one. This was in my top five of 2022 last week. So it sounds like I'm harping on the movie when I'm really not. Um, I just, I thought Brendan Fraser's character, uh, his performance, first off, is by all means great. Uh, we're going to rapid fire through our, our our top five later on in the episode. Um top five Brendan Fraser films are coming at the end of the episode. Rapid fire. We're going to go through all, all of them. The well is not my number two on that list. Spoiler, spoiler alert. I'm going to, I'm, you know, we, we don't do that, but I'm telling you it's number two on that list. It was in my top five last week of 2022. So I'm not, I don't hate this movie, but after watching it, I feel no sympathy for Brendan Fraser's character. Uh, Charlie in the movie. Um, and the spotlight, I know everybody's like obsessed with Brendan Fraser. He's had this resurgence. He, this performance was remarkable. And don't get me wrong, it was. But somebody who's not getting talked about, Hong Chow, who played yeah. Liz, unbelievable performance in this movie. Yeah. I think she deserved the award way more than Jamie Lee Curtis did. Uh, Zach, what do you think? And Zach, kind of talk to me about what do you think of. Uh, being Craig's uh, analyst of Charlie in this movie. <clears throat> well, it's this is a situation where I don't disagree with you guys. I get your aspect, your point of this character. I mean, you could really mount this down as he's a, he's a terrible human being, and I. I Obviously, I don't have kids, so I can't really attest to this. But right, I, I wanted to interject. Me and yeah. Johnny probably feel this way because we do have kids. Right. And so I'm coming at this at a different angle. So um, I don't have kids, but I, I do know, like, if I did have a daughter or a son, I would definitely want to be in their life, regardless of whatever marriage or relationship situation there is. At the same time, on the opposite side of the on the opposite side of the coin, he I think Charlie knows that he's done wrong, and he's quasi well, that's not the right word. He's definitely self punished himself by getting to that level of obesity, and just the the scenes in this movie where he's like binge eating to the point where he's like throwing up. It, it uh, yeah, I get why the director put that in there, but at the same time, it was like I don't ever want to eat food <laughs> for the next like six hours. Um, but I, I, I really do appreciate Charlie's redemption story in this. It's like, yeah, he fucked up. He's trying to get back into Sadie Singh's life, Ellie's life. And it's just, I don't, don't get me wrong. Ed, I'm sure you'll agree with me. Sadie Singh. She's a, I've seen her in talk shows. She's an incredible, lovely person. Love her on stranger things. She is a, like the mom says, she is a fucking terror in this movie <laughs> I'm just, no. to the point where I'm just like, I, I get why she's angry, but to get to that point of basically saying, I hope you die, die just where you sit, it, yeah, it, I mean, it, when he's just trying, when he's just trying to be in his, in his life and say, in her life and say, I'm sorry, well, it just, but, but at know. the same time, like, you could have been in my life the last 15 I know. years. I know, I know. It, it's just one of those, it's like, damn Ten if years. you do, damn if you don't type things. So, I mean, I I think the point that also isn't being touched on, because I, okay, 
not defending Charlie at all, but there are two people that made that girl. There are two people. And in the a big argument at the end, she says, she adored you. And I just couldn't have, you know, she basically couldn't settle with herself that that girl adored the father more than she did that mom. So that's you well, that's that child away. And I'm not saying that 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 uh, basically yeah. saves Charlie's ass. Mom's not shit, at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just like, the reason this child, I mean, don't wrong, Sadie Sink, I think, is kind of untalked about as well because she did wonderful. Like, she was yeah. pissing yeah. me off a lot through this yeah. movie, but I'm just like, yeah. I, I get it. Like, I, I, I fucking get it. But I've, like, I've seen some of this in ways uh, personally, not through me and this happening to me, but this happening on another side of uh, very personal stuff. So anyways, you know, when, when, when that person who has full custody is villainizing the shit out of somebody else undeservedly or deservedly, you are not giving an opportunity for them to understand their parents. So you are for furthermore forcing that child into a deeper hole of little, little hell for that matter. Right. But you know, in this situation, he left. Yeah. 100%. I would be the mom. I would be villainizing the shit out of him too. Like, but don't get me wrong. Could you villainize your wife at the same moment? If she left us on her own free will and right. didn't want anything to do with my child, but to I me, would blackball the shit out of her. So the thing is, you just said a big thing. Didn't want anything to do with the child. He did message and everything. So after after so, how long though? But that's true, and we don't know that fact. It could have been the week after. What it if, could have been the day after. It could have been six was, years. I think it was a period of time, and I only think he tried to reach out once he lost Alan. But at the same time, the maturity level of both parents is horrible. Right there, no, because no, no. I'm not going to yes. subjugate. I'm not going to subjugate my daughter to the level of, oh, you're only reaching back out because the person you left us for is gone, and now you're trying to fill that void with. But you're going to accept money. You're going to accept help from that person too, though. The mother never knew. Never knew what. That he was saving money for. Her. Oh no, she knew, but he didn't know she was oh, doing right, it. Right. That sounds like an episode of Judge Joe Brown. But what I'm saying, though, is that's, <laughs> don't come after me with this. But it's a hell of an immature thing because I've there. That's a whole personal level. So I've seen one parent victimized or villainized by the other, and I've seen the 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 the, the after effects it has. You know, I've seen that 100 percent hands one, down. One of the one of the other things that kind of put Charlie in like a negative light to me though was like he had all this money saved up. Yeah, it was for. It was for his daughter, and, you know, he didn't tell anybody about it. But his friend who is, you know, working 12, 14 hours a shift at the hospital. Right. You know, yeah, who who comes over and takes care of him just to make sure. Not just the friend. She was Alan's She was the sister. Alan's sister, yeah. Yeah. So, like, she's completely in the dark about the money, too. And, like, he not only... You know, he had all this money to, to get himself taken care of. And, you know, he, yeah, he, he went through a divorce. He lost custody of his child. He fell in love. He lost the relationship with him. He let himself completely go. And 
had ended up having all this money to even though he let himself go, he had all this money to take care of himself and still didn't when he you know he ended up putting himself there. Um, it's a sad story and it's a sad movie, but this second time around watching it, I had I didn't have that much sympathy this time for Charlie like I did in the first few. Nah, I got that shit right off the bat. Can't fool me. <laughs> no, yeah, because that that the person he did the dirtiest probably was the sister or whatever. Next right right up there is Sadie right after that. But then again, that that to me seeing a few things from my angle as well, like the mother did Sadie pretty damn dirty too. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, but, but I, uh, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think I think his sister Liz technically is the sister. She was there for him every day. Probably wasn't getting paid much, if at all. Probably not. And you know, was literally doing everything for him. And he never once was like, "Hey, you know, I have this large amount of money saved up. I want to do something nice for you." And you know, he was like, "If you would have told me, I would have fixed your car." She's like, "Would you have really?" It's like, "No, you wouldn't have," because he had so much guilt after losing Alan. He kind of finally realized, like, "Damn, I really messed up." That. He did put himself in that spiral. And that is one thing that I, I do applaud this movie for is showing the spiral that people can go in and they don't even realize it. Like he was on the yeah. brink of death and not knowing it. And that's just that's the self-hate that people go through. At some point, every single one of us in here has gone through some sort of self-hate where you're just like, I can't believe you've done that. You talk to yourself stupid. And it's just something that everybody it's a natural feeling that people go through but it's it's the light that they were able to shine on it that sometimes you don't understand just how far you've let yourself go and it's the the, the this movie is the um sort of showing of how far it can get what do you guys think of uh you know because sometimes with an a24 movie the movie title itself seems a little uh far-fetched like, you know, uh, men, spring breakers. Mm-hmm. Some of it's really easy, but then some of it's like, why, why are they naming the movie this? The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. With the whale, what did you guys think? Did you guys think, oh, are, they, are they calling it the whale? What was that? That was really loud. Somebody use a fire extinguisher? Go in there, please. Anyway, do you guys think that they, when you first saw the title of the whale, did you think, they were naming it the well because of how massively big the guy was. Come to yep. find out when you watch the movie, it's about the story essay, of Moby Dick. The essay, yeah. Zach, what do yeah, you think? I, I, I think it's kind of a play on words. I think, um, you know, essentially he does. If I remember the story right, he. He kind of feels like he is the whale in that situation. And I can't think of the words to go along with my theory of this, but mm-hmm. uh, the story was going along with how um, when he saw the whale, everything was, was kind of let go. If I'm Zach, you might help me out here if you well, understand where I'm going. So, literally, okay, so we don't understand this until later on, but the story is by, uh, by Ellie, for that matter. Right. The essay is written from Ellie. So it, it already garners a huge connection in his heart. He's a professor of uh, English. English professor. So, you know, he's, he's very subjective to what he reads and all that comprehension and, you know, grammar, all that kind of the good stuff. 
not only that, but the story touches him because he he says in his own words at least six or seven times that essay is perfect. This is the best essay I've ever read and all that. And dude literally grades essays on the regular of college students. And this is probably from his daughter in middle school, you know, so mm-hmm. there's that. But at the same time, he he kind of pictures himself in this story as maybe not necessarily the well, but the boring time in the story. You know, maybe he is the whale in his own picture just because, you know, that's what the director's chasing after. And that's what he's chasing after is that whale. So, you know, there's a there's several points you can make in this whole entire film of what could possibly be going on for it. Yeah. So the the portion of the essay that kind of gets, um, you know, the most screen time is. And I felt saddest of all when I read the boring chapters that were only descriptions of whales because I knew that the author was just trying to save us from his own sad story just for a little while. Um, so I, th- I do think it is yeah. kind of like a double entendre about like him, but also him feeling like he is the whale because yeah. it is a sad story. And, you know, he's got he's, in his own thought, he's got a tragic story because yeah. he did a lot of wrong in his life and he understands that knows that and accepts that but at the same time wrong has happened to him in the form of taking alan for that matter when at a time he should have been happiest or should have been you know so let's at, talk at about peak. Some, let's talk about some of the ratings here um imdb gave this a 7.7 rotten tomatoes at 64 percent the meta score is at 60 percent while the google users like it at 88 percent um, it only had a $3 million budget, but it grossed over $55 million at the box office. Um, what do you guys think uh, when it comes to a movie like this? Do you think this is like one of those word of, uh, word of mouth movies? Um, or did Because I didn't... The only thing that drew me to it, obviously, was A24. And then when I saw Brendan Fraser was going to be part of it, it was like, oh, he's back? I think the biggest part is Brendan Fraser. I mean, in all honesty, um, as well as word of mouth, and then probably people like you, for that matter, that are huge in the A twenty four. But yeah, Brendan Fraser, I think, would probably be at least fifty, sixty percent in my honest eyes. So, yeah, uh, you know, my, I, I probably would have never taken a second look at this. You know, with Brendan, I mean, Brendan Fraser kind of came back from nowhere i mean he had, he was in um you know a couple tv shows um Doom killing Patrol. of the flower moon i think um that comes out later this year actually oh yeah, okay so. uh, but i mean he's been in dune patrol since 2019 but he's kind of really you know uh make up up in, in a robot suit um but you know just him kind of having that lead role again kind of intrigued me but the main thing was just the hype that was kind of around him and his, I'll say the biggest thing that made me even want to remotely watch this outside of us doing it for the podcast was his speech where he was just falling and in tears um, about the whale and how he said, you know, this meant the world to him that he was able to get this role and the story and everything. And I'd Mm -hmm. say that was what really made me want to watch this. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, it it was a combination of like pretty much what all of y'all said. Just Brendan Fraser's return to 
acting a 24 to see where this kind of fits in their catalog of what they do as a student, a film studio and just kind of all the buzz and the reception of, you know, is he going to win best actor? Is this, you know, this, I think this movie came out in September at one of the film festivals. He got like a 10 minute standing ovation. I'm just like, damn, okay, let's, let's see, you know, and it, what a perfect Christmas movie. This came out for Christmas here in Oklahoma. Um, and to me, it, again, like I said, you know, it is, this is very, like you said, Craig, it's very A24 vibes all over this movie to the point where it's just like, you know, I think people that, and, you know, we can talk about this. I think people that like are in fit and like stay active and everything, I think they're going to watch this movie and say like, yeah, he deserved that. You know, he did it to himself. So, you know, it's yeah. just, it's kind of like one of those, do you have sympathy for this character or you don't? Uh, given everything that's happened to him. I think some of it is more emotional than that, though. You know, just because there are a lot of scenes to where he gets pushed mentally and emotionally that do weigh, for that matter. <laughs> Pun. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, so, so... Pun uh, not intended. Zach, where, where I'm going to kind of take off from what you were saying is if people only see this and see him as a heavy set person they're shallow. If yeah, they yeah. look deeper and see the true meaning of what the director's trying to fully accomplish with this, that yes, choices lead to other choices. And then those choices lead to other choices. And then it just snowballs. And before you know it, you're on the brink of death. Yes. Some people are lucky enough to not have to go through that stuff. Yeah. And yes, yeah. this is showing sort of a different direction of how people deal with their depression. But this form of depression is a real form of depression. And I think, yeah, uh, yeah. If, if you come into it and all you see is some guy in a fat suit making, not even making fun of it, but kind of just talking about somebody who is obese and that's all you get from it, then you're not a person that I really want to be associated with. There's, there's an art to this movie and that's what I appreciate about it is it's really yeah. telling something more than a story. And that's that what, what you appreciate about that's it. What, that's what films are about, is telling more than just a story. Yeah. Because, I mean, this story has so many more elements other than just dude being big. Right, you know? exactly, 100%. Which I will say, though, if I'm not mistaken, the, the I, I know this is talking on it, but the fat suit was like, what, 300 and some odd pounds itself? Yeah. On top it was, of him? It was, it was basically a suit that it, it kind of like... They the the director wanted to put as much weight on him as you know obviously as he could possibly stand, <laughs> and it was just kind of like I think it was like a four hour process to get in and out of the suit, and there's also some kind of like uh, some visual effects. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. just kind of that, that kind of touch it up, but I mean like when he's the first time he stands up, you're Dude. just like damn, I thought and you're he was just like, like ooh, you're just like wow, you know right. it, it it just could have sh shocked you by surprise. Oh, no, 100%. Because, I mean, the way he looks was... And, I mean, I'm not even meaning, like, sizes and, like, weight-wise, but he looked massive. Yeah. Yeah. He looked yeah. very tall when he stood up for the first time. And, I mean, I don't know if it's maybe because of her small stature compared to his larger stature or what, but, like, he looked huge, just, like, towering above her. And then once you kind of you know, with, with uh, the Zoom call with his students, for that matter, you know, you, you kind of, yeah. is that what we come up on? Yeah. 
that's what we come up on at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it just, just kind of there's like a middle. like a yeah, there's like a like a his webcam's off. Yep. Yeah. He's yeah. in a Zoom meeting and he's the only one. With, and um, you know, he tells him that his his webcam is broken and he's not able to get it fixed or he's in the process of doing it. And I mean, there's times where people are insecure about how oh, they yeah. look and how they feel, and that's that's everybody. Yeah. Whether, whether you're 98 pounds and you feel like you're a bit anorexic or or you have that the i don't want to know what to classify it i mean anorexia uh, yeah or or you feel like you're a bit overweight you know everybody has insecurities in their life no matter you you could be the fittest dude on the planet and you're going to sit there and tell yourself you don't look as good as you could it doesn't matter what physique your body is and some people that is why they're that fit some people for some people is because they are chasing that perfection and it's that littlest thing of oh i don't have six pack or that you know extra bit so my obliques aren't showing as good as they were yesterday or something to where on the other side of that everybody deals with something it doesn't matter yeah it it, it, yeah it's it's definitely a mental thing 100 percent, and it's natural now sometimes now obviously now obviously there are so many powerful moments in this movie i mean like the scene where he's talking to the mom and said where he just finally has his breakdown and says, I just want to do something right with my life before I go. That, that, I mean, that to me, I think that's pretty much what won him the Oscar for sure. Yeah. But I mean, the other scene where like what you're talking about, Craig, when he's talking with his students and he got, he got so fed up with all the bullshit and all this, like the fake writing, just say, you know what, just write something real. Just tell me one real thing. Yeah. And that, and when he finally reveals himself on the, on the camera, it's just like, wow. Yeah. It, it kind of, it, it kind of is funny at that. Cause he's like, you know, F the readings, uh, what F the essays and like, just write me, you know, yeah. something for, like a real, real yeah. you know, that's your last, last lesson or whatever. And it's just like, dang, okay. Like, is, is it because you know you're passing soon or is it because you're just fed up or, you know? I think, I think it's a bit of both. You know? mm-hmm. it, yeah. When when people feel like they're at the end of the road, they they truly don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah. luckily I haven't had anybody in my life get to that point that I was close enough with. But the signs are there. You know, if... if at the end of the road, they they're literally just unfiltered. Well, I mean, yeah. like he okay. So a lot of this pointing towards and what they mentioned was congestive heart failure, for that matter. Right. And the wheezing in his lungs, you know, a uh, lot of the, F. the what? Don't forget the F wheezy F baby. Oh, sorry, low <laughs> reference. It's just like <laughs> what? Uh, God dang it. <laughs> but, but, you know the little things in in mental or the his overall health that were just spiraling downward and it was just kind of like okay this isn't a if this is a win yeah. scenario yeah you know and, and, I, and i like how the movie takes place over a week starting from monday to friday monday. and friday is basically the the end of his life and it it, it doesn't you could really draw this out to like a month or whatever, but I just, I thought it was a very creative choice to say he has one week to live. He's trying to quote unquote, get his affairs in order. He's trying to reconnect with his daughter and just try to do everything, you know, everything we talked about, all the wrongdoing he's done and just try to redeem, re, uh, redeem, redeem himself. So, 
He's um, he's trying to be everywhere, everything all at once. Stupid. Uh, <laughs> another portion which I I may not have the the best of grasp on this, but when they're talking about um, you know Liz's hatred towards the church. Um, yeah. I'm not 100 sure what the church essentially was like. What was it like, Mormon or? And it doesn't really matter. But the fact that you know, um, you know, he he is essentially he's gay, and his lover Alan died, and he he has this hatred towards the church and towards God because he feels like that's part of the reasons why he died. And I'm not 100 sure. I can't remember what he died for or from. He, he took his own life. His dad really tried to push him into being like being in the church, get married to a Christian girl. And he just didn't yeah. want any of that, obviously. Um, until finally to the point where I think the dad just ostracized him out of, out of the family, out of the church and everything. Well, yeah. I, I, just, I just want to touch on that. If, if you watch this movie and you don't know a whole bunch about faith or religion, I'm not going to sit here and preach or force anything on anybody, but not all religions are the same. Not and just because you're in a quote unquote church or religion doesn't mean that that person is 100% true. Like you can meet somebody who's barely in church or barely has a relationship with God and they'll treat you better than somebody who claims to be quote unquote Christian. There there's right. there's wolves in sheep's clothing. And there's there's truly authentic people in church and out of church and you just have to weed out the ones that aren't worth your time. I'll well, and and that's the other way. thing. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I'm gonna jump off that with you, Craig. It, it, it there's a lot of anti-religious things in this movie, definitely, especially from the point of Ellie's perspective and um, Liz's perspective, to the point where uh, Ty Simpson, Simpson, Ty Simpson's character is kind of. I don't want to say he's bullied, but he's definitely pushed into a position where he has his way of how his B plotted, like he took money from the church, all this and that. And in a very, in a very like hilarious black comedy type way of uh, Charlie kind of realizes like he wasn't trying, Ellie wasn't trying to hurt uh, that character. He was trying to help him. And it's like her own like sadistic way, <laughs> you know, which I mean, I, I will say he, it is kind of his doing as well because he stayed there. So as a grown adult, like you have that option to leave and not come back. But as he put it, he Thomas. needs help. Uh, Charlie Thomas. needs help. Thomas uh, was little. That was the was the kid, the church kid's name. I blinked like, off for a second. Thomas did get bullied to an extent. I will say that. But at the same time, as a grown adult, you do have the ability to get up and leave whenever you want. You know, mm. whatever situation. But at the same time, he said he was staying because Charlie needed help. Did anybody else think this was going to be true A24 fashion? And did you think Charlie was going to fuck? Yeah, I thought for a while, for like at least two minutes, that Charlie was going to be think killed Charlie by Thomas. Be... Well, no, I, thought... I, I, I didn't think Thomas was going to kill Charlie. I thought Charlie was going to rape Thomas. No. No, I, I didn't. It, it, it was already. <laughs> I thought he was going to feed him. I thought he was going to feed him the whale. I didn't have any rapey vibes. I do think that Charlie might have felt some sort of connection. Uh, granted, I don't. I don't remember how old Thomas was. I don't know if he's overage or underage. But 
I would I say mean, overage. I'm, look, it's eight twenty-four. Nothing's really <laughs> off the table. Let's be honest. Dude, no, I thought Thomas was gonna kill Charlie. Because I was I didn't think that for a second. Once they got into it or start once like Charlie got the wheelchair and he started going up to, like to him. I legitimately was just like, oh, here we go. This is, I was like, great. Because <laughs> well, you're not I mean, really sure what he was doing. You know, you're snooping in the room and looking at everything is like, okay, you know, there's enough space for me to try and stay here. So I had an idea that he was trying to find something. I just didn't know until we well, found out. Obviously. What I really thought in A24 fashion, what I really thought was going <laughs> to happen was um ellie was gonna kill charlie because when she's at the like in the kitchen making that sandwich she's like grinding the knife in the countertop it's just like oh my god <laughs> like to the point where it's like is he is this how this is gonna end like the daughter's gonna kill the father like that yeah. that one yeah that's that's the uh director's cut <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's uh, the whale edition the, the whale well, edition and so like let's be real so we, we get to the ending scene where, you know, Ellie's about to leave and she's reading the poem and he gets up and he starts walking to her. And then you see the bright light and I'm like, are we at the lighthouse again? Like, what's going on here? But, but like, he dies. And yeah. the, I, I guess from the director's point of view, it feels like he was able to right enough of his wrongs and kind of make make um, amends with Ellie and his wife to where he mm. was ex- accepted. I, I think I Charlie went to hell. I don't think he went to heaven. But he got lifted up, and it was a white light. I mean, it, if you were to say that somebody went to heaven, that's what I would assume you would you would see your show. Sometimes a white light is uh, right before you see the orange of fire. I mean, other than that, you know, they should have been playing Slayer South of Heaven. Well, I mean, I'm only saying because, like, there's so many, if you want to take this movie and talk biblical, I mean, you know, you see Charlie go through gluttony. You see Charlie go through greed. You see Charlie go through uh, lust. At the beginning of the movie, he goes through lust with the gay porn. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in the movie that, that threw me off, by the way. I was like, he, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in the movie that makes Charlie just look that way. And I'm like, I know yeah. it's, it's Darren Arnowski, and he's he's a one-of-a-kind director and writer, but I didn't leave anything on the table on the second watch, and that's that's kind of just where yeah. I put Charlie in this conversation piece. So, Well, it, you know, everybody has, again, you don't want to get biblical, but everybody has sin. Everybody has some type of addiction. Everybody has some type of, of something that is considered sin in the Bible. And so in, in order to – you sit here and you're able to control that in somebody's life because we're getting an inside look of it for a week straight. You know, it's just – the way this movie was portrayed, I think it, it was very artistic and – I just think there's more to it than than the story itself. Does anybody want to name off some favorite scenes? Oh, Zach didn't like what I said. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite scene would have to be the very end between Sadie Sink and uh, Brendan Fraser, uh, Ellie and Charlie. Uh, just the reading and all that of the essay uh, was made to be very powerful as well as did feel that way. So I'll say 
that to me was probably the yeah especially uh, with him getting up walking that was the sealer for me yeah I, I mean that scene was pretty powerful to you know he never does that who knows how much stress it was actually putting on his body but for him to um at that point you know again having a child i would do anything to prove to Adley that I, I feel a certain type of way. And for him to be able to, up to that point, always use a walker. And she's like, if you really feel that way, get up and stand and walk to me. And he does, and he tries. And, of course, the first time he falls into the couch and he, and he gets hurt. But, like, if if it was at that point or, or I had to do something like that and to prove something, I, I'm going to try everything. And everything in me is going to try it. So, Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. The favorite scene is probably going to be that ending scene where she's reading to him. And I mean, that's just, it's tense, it's powerful. Uh, because it's truly emotional. Because if you look at it from what the character is thinking or seeing, that's probably the first time he's actually heard it from her. Yeah. You know, because I mean, don't wrong, like, I'm sure, you know, once once she starts her writings and all that here in the next few years, you're going to hear, you know, possibly a few papers here and there. But with that, you know, being gone for at least she was eight when he left, 17, yeah. possibly 18 almost. So nine to 10 years. I mean, that's got to do something, especially when you're really, really, really into uh, literature and, uh, you know, uh, essays and different things like that, papers and stuff. That's got to be something different. Yeah, hearing it from students and brilliant persons and all that that you're help cult- helping cultivate for a future in in this field is one thing but your own offspring is is another and to see and hear what he or she in this case she had to say from their own mouth has to be a hell of a different side you know to where like i'm sure if you hear a paper from anybody else it's going to be like okay cool you know that's stupid or that's brilliant but once you hear from her what is in her head or what's in her thoughts you're gonna be like damn man like it's gonna hit you a little different yeah yeah, you know whether it's great or bad is just like okay we can work with this you know kind of thing zach you're not upset at what i was saying were you no the internet went out so i'm having having oh because i finished my sentence and you were just like like, yeah, wow. No, no. What what you say? I I like I cut out and I didn't get to hear it. So uh, we we're both kind of going on the ending scene for our favorite scene, uh, like when he was hearing the uh, essay from his daughter for the first time, mm-hmm. and then walked and walking and all that for the first time in the film, at least yeah. uh, on his own accord. So. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I would agree that the ending scene is probably the best scene of the movie. Um, there are there are a lot of other like little tidbit moments, like in a weird like comedic the the dark comedy. Of this movie is like when he has like the he's talking to the pizza guy. So yeah, I just left the twenty in the mailbox. Like you okay, Charlie? It's like yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, but it's also but it also kind of breaks your heart because when he kind of goes out when the, the pizza delivery guy actually sees Charlie for the first time, it's just like. Oh, you know, you're just another, you know, you're another person that's just going to, because of the way I look, you know, mm-hmm. you're just going to run away, basically. Yeah. Uh, so. if, if, if I had to choose a favorite scene right off the top of my head, it would probably be uh, at least 
powerful scene is when um, the mom comes over and Charlie and the the mom butt heads. Um, Do it. And then probably my other favorite scene would probably be <laughs> the uh, the ending. Yeah, because I mean, what one of my you know I I said the ending was great, but. I, one of my favorite scenes was the banter between Ellie and Thomas when she was like, you know, you're not going to smoke. You're too, too much of a good boy. And he was like, no, that's one of my issues in the past was taking drugs. She's like, all right, well, then smoke it. And then she takes the picture of him. Like, I, that was just the banter between Ellie and Thomas was was really funny because you weren't sure if Sadie was being or Ellie was being like sincere or or she was like trying to manipulate or sadistic like. Her character was very mysterious in that way, as far as like. I think it was kind yeah. of all of the above. Yeah. In, in, in essence, all of the above. I don't know. She's a very layered character, and I think that's why. Whenever we're talking about, you know, characters that should have won stuff or be, been considered for stuff, I, I think it was was her. Because yeah. of how truly layered that character was, and how how well she's able to put it on screen, you know she's not there for a, a, a long time. But I mean, when she's on there, she's definitely one and one with Brendan. She's yeah. coming guns out like she really is. Because yeah. I mean, honestly, like that's just oh, I was irritated with her. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know if you guys really knew, like kind of paid attention, but this movie was basically done in all in a completely one set environments. It was yeah. all throughout yeah. the apartment. I mean, you got a little bit of just on the porch, right outside well, the apartment. The but a majority, I mean, it was pr pretty much in Charlie's living room. Yeah. And I mean, for a director to get that type of performance out of someone in that, just a one setting place is, is kind of, it. it shows the markers of what a good director can do with his actors. So, I mean, ninety like seven percent is in that room or yeah. in that apartment. But you know, I'd say the other split three percent was the beach scenes and then the parking lot, and then other than that, like nowhere else. Right. Because you know, you you get a look into that one room in the far <laughs> back, and that room is pristine. Yeah. You know, very very well kept. Star rating, Ed. We'll yeah. start with you. Um, based on story, based on acting, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go ahead and give it a seven. Like this one, this one was very, very good. Um, watchability is what's gonna go ahead and kick it down because, like Zach said earlier, I'm I'm probably not gonna watch it. Maybe one more time again, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, Craig. Uh, yeah, no, I I enjoy the layers of what the director was trying to put on screen and the story that he was trying to tell. Um, again, Brendan Fraser really did take advantage of this role that he was um, given, or if he took it, you know, like however he got the role, he really took advantage of his opportunity, um, and to be able to put out a movie that, um was this well done with the low budget, the singular location, and there's really only five or six main characters that are in the story. It's it's a hell of a hell of a movie. Um, but again, like you said, the rewatch isn't there for me. I personally was 
kind of waiting for it to be over. Um, not to say that it's not a good film, not to say that people can't enjoy it, but it was just, I thought whenever I was watching some of the stuff and what the movie was being talked about that, you know, he was big, he was lazy. And then he, he really worked on his life to stay in their lives. I thought he had made a life choice and that's kind of the changes that came throughout the movie. Not necessarily that he was just kind of setting up his last days as a, as a person and getting all that in order. So that's where it kind of knocked it down for me, but I'm gonna give it a six. Not to say that it's not a great film, but uh, me personally, it's a six. Uh, Performance-wise, rewatchability with me, uh, with it being like an hour and 40-something minute movie, even though the second time I watched it, it did kind of fly by still. There was a few scenes that kind of dragged for me, but um, overall for me with, with rewatchability scenes and the performances, uh, I'm going to have to give it a nine. Um I think the thing that really saved this movie for me um, is probably going to be Brendan Fraser and the chemistry he had with uh, with the nurse. Um, and then you know the second time around, that I was with I was like like you, Craig. I was like, man, I'm kind of dreading watching it again for the episode just because I it was such a downer. Um, but the second time, like I said, I noticed a bunch of different things. Um, the performances still kept me intrigued. And the hour and 40-some minutes just flew by for me the second time. So, Zach, what about you? For somebody who's seen this movie four, three or four times, what's your star rating? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a 10. I mean, truly, it's. I think it's, um, like I said, if I had it number two in our, in our top 10 of the year of 2022, um, everything you guys said, the performances, the, uh, the message, you know, the story, the direction, the um, I'll even put some of the cinematography, I thought, it was quite interesting in the, I watched like the little, the little featurette on the, on the Blu-ray. Um, it was interesting how they made like Sadie Singh's character, uh, Ellie kind of go all the way around the room when he's talking to him. So he had like a difficult time trying to look at Ellie. Um, I thought that was a kind of a creative choice. Um, the movie just hit me really on a deeper level. And maybe it was, I saw it in the theater and I just had that like experience of seeing it in the theater. Um, my not to get too much into it but my grandmother had congestive heart failure and the scene where he's like looking out in the window and looking at the bird it was just kind of like a little moment of happiness for him that's what my grandmother did so there was just a lot in the movie that kind of hit me on the on the feels and so i that's why i'm giving it a 10 just because it just it hit me on a personal level so rapid fire top five guys <laughs> This week's top five was and is top five Brendan Fraser films. Uh, I'm rapid fire going to go through my honorable mentions. Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Crash, and Bedazzled. Um, my top five Brendan Fraser movies. Five, I'm going to go with Airheads. Number four, Gimme Shelter. <laughs> number three, Crash <coughs> from the Past. Number two, The Whale. And number one, The Mummy. Zach? 
Uh, I don't have any honorable mentions. My top five uh, Brendan Fraser movies are Gods and number five, Gods and Monsters. Number four, The Mummy Returns. Number three, George of the Jungle. Got to put that in there. Number two, The Whale, and number one, The Mummy. Uh, Craig, what about you? Uh, number five, George of the Jungle. Number four, Looney Tunes. Number three, Dudley Do Right. Uh, number two, Airheads, and number one, The Mummy. Um, number five, I'm going to go ahead and no, no honorable mentions. Number five, George of the Jungle. Number four, The Mummy Returns. Number three, Encino Man. Two, Airheads. And number one, The Mummy. Oh, wow. Universal number one, The Mummy. Consensus, man. Yep. It was that good, though. The Mummy's, I mean, yeah. Mummy's a damn good film. Yeah, Especially good. Brendan Fraser. Like, he, he yeah. Yeah, it was good. I got to rewatch it today after the whale, and uh, it was it was definitely a fun watch. So, um, next week though, we're talking all about Nicolas Cage's uh, one of his latest movies, just in time uh, before uh, he's got another one coming out. Um, yeah, but next week we're talking the unbearable weight of massive talent. Pedro Pascal is on a high rise. Nicolas Cage is always on the high rise. So why not talk about both of them next week? And a brand new episode right here. Episode 241, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, before we get out of here, before we get done dropping the whale off, do you guys have any uh, you guys have any final comments before we uh, head out to uh, Nick Cage? We got a two-weeker two with Nick Cage. What's after, the, what's after next week? Face-off. <laughs> have we ever done... A uh, Nicolas Cage movie before? Uh, I want to say no. I don't think so. But we're going to do two of them back-to-back starting next week. What's our top five next week? I don't know. I don't know if we'll have one. I know <laughs> in two weeks we're going to talk about our top five Nicolas Cage movies. So There you go. Any mailbag today? Or? And then, uh, yeah, let's, we, we can talk a few. Let's, let's talk a few uh, emails. Um... Mail time, mail time, mail time. Talk a few. Um, okay, Henry's top five movies of 2022 in this order. Five, Blonde. Number four, Top Gun. Number three, Avatar. Number two, Fantastic Beasts. Number one, Prey. Now, Blonde, Blonde received a lot of uh, hate. Oh, hey. So, oh, hey. uh, Laura, Laura sent this email out. She says, I've wondered if you guys ever thought about doing an Easter like movie especially since the podcast is on mondays seems fitting having a monday after easter episode thoughts uh i mean we we typically plan out months ahead that wasn't just wasn't one that we uh thought of thought about doing um passion of the christ <laughs> the ten commandments all four hours and 50 minutes of it hmm. i mean i I personally, I don't think I've ever seen Passion of the Christ. I was really too young when it first came out. I've never uh, completed it. I, I know, like you want to talk about hitting people in the fields. Like, yeah, I think that sounds like a fun. Uh, I, fun would, I wouldn't classify that as fun. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and plan that for next year. I guess. Yeah. I've never completed it. Or we can do it on like Mother's Day or something. <laughs> or Father's Day. It's a good Father's Day episode. Yeah. Uh, Kendall says, if there was one Marvel movie you guys could review that you haven't done yet, what would it be and why? One Marvel movie that we haven't done. I mean, if 
We're talking about like old school. Oh. I'd go X Men. We've already done X Men, sir. Yeah, we have. I would wow. do. I would do Civil War. After two hundred and forty of them, you know. I'd say yeah. the first Iron Man. I think that'd be just kind of go back to basics and just see remind remind to see where everything got started off. Uh, I agree with Johnny. Um, <coughs> a couple of we won further back. No, you know what? I'm going to go Fantastic Four. Mm. Old Ooh. school Fantastic Four. Oh, you know what? I think uh, Craig just picked out an episode in May. Chris Evans. Johnny you know, Passion of the Christ and then Fantastic Four. What a great duo. Oh, God. Um, Sarah97 says, The well is so good, but too depressing. Still, good movie. Eight stars. That's fair. That's uh, fair. Gabriel says the well to me is a little overrated. Still great performances, but the movie was dull. Six stars. Um, Omar says the A twenty four episodes you guys have are always entertaining. It's a different conversation every single time with everyone always disagreeing with each other. What's, <laughs> what's another A twenty four movie you would want to review? Haven't we done them all? No, there's no? like eighty five. <laughs> I said we're pretty close. Um, off the top of we my could, head, I can't. We could do a... We've done a pretty good library of it so far. I mean, you know, going from Marcel the Shell to Pearl and all that. We could do The Monster. We could do Into the Forest. That sounds um, intriguing. The You know what? We've never done a documentary. We could do a documentary about Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Me, Amy. <laughs> um, <laughs> son of a Gun. The captive, where Ryan Reynolds loses a daughter. So life that, after life after Beth. That's a twenty-four. Yeah. Hey, I didn't know that. So there, there's still quite a bit, but you know what? August is right around the corner, and August means a twenty-four month. So, uh, especially next year, Red Rocket twenty-four Red August. Rocket. Yeah, my dog has one of those. <laughs> Stop. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. Uh, I'll finish oh, it off get with out. this one, and then we'll uh, go on to the uh, next Did we'll we ever do the Val week. documentary? No. Mm-mm. I think Zach Craig, watched Craig it. Is, Craig is right off. Craig is on fire today. I'm on the money. Um, Jeffrey says, I've always looked forward to your Memorial Day episodes, especially being an active member. Any idea on the movie you guys will be reviewing this year? It's always my favorite episode of the year. Uh, first off, Free <laughs> Service. That's uh, a good movie, too. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Thank you for the <laughs> service. There's a movie. Um, we are going to do uh, a, a Memorial Day War movie this year, and we're going to do... Zach, do you remember what I it is? I think we're going to do All Quiet on the Western Front, the new uh, Best Picture uh, nominee that won Oscars. So That's currently on Netflix. You guys can uh, stream it on Netflix. That is going to be our Memorial Day episode this year. Um so yeah, thank you for service. Looks good. So yeah, told you. From the director that brought you American Sniper, which is also a good movie. Very good. Uh, mm. We just got an email. Eyes wide shut. Uh, uh, eyes wide shut. Stanley Kubrick, good movie. Tom Cruise. Paxo. Yeah. <laughs> We've never done a Kubrick movie, have we? We did Clockwork Orange, didn't we? We did The Shining. Oh, The Shining. Yeah. Back in the day, that was episode number two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about movies that could probably be uh, rediscussed. Yes, sir. Heck, you know, Full Metal Jacket. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Oh yeah, very but very good. One. Other than that, guys, uh, anybody else have any comments about the well before we go on to uh, Nicholas Cage two weaker? <laughs> oh, all a bunch of Nicholas Cage. I'll say that. All, all I know about Face Off is the dancing scene where he's just in the priest outfit. <laughs> oh no! So like. My expectations are either too high or too low. I don't know. Johnny hey, Johnny kind of set it off for me. It's, it's going to be fun. Face off in two weeks. Next week, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, that's going to be my second watch for that, so this should be fun. Um, until then, guys, you know what? Uh, everybody love everybody. I hope everybody has a good week, and yeah. uh, we'll see you next week for The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent right here on the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. Say bye. Say bye. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what in the-